Well, 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 we're going to start a new series uh, tonight, and I hope this is helpful to you. Uh, that is our prayer. It's called Matters of the Mind. It's a wonderful gift that God has given us, and yet if it has mastery over us, uh, it, it, it becomes quite a burden. Many of us, even here tonight, uh, are um, stressed or depressed or occupied or preoccupied with thoughts, um, invasive, distracting, disruptive, peace and joy robbing thoughts that we're having a hard time controlling. And so we want to spend time over the next several weeks uh, trying to see what the Word of God has to say about uh, the thoughts in our mind. And by the way, one way to look at the Word of God is God's thoughts, His thinking, uh, written down. So, so we want to have his thinking on all of the things that we think about. Uh, this mind of ours is a marvelous, marvelous, uh, gift housed within this cranium made up of several bones so as to protect it. It only weighs on average so about 2.8 to 3 pounds, this thing. Someone said, uh, the brain has the consistency of tofu. I mean, it's not an attractive, if you've ever seen what it looks like. It's, you know, all these fissures and things like that. It doesn't have moving parts or, or anything like that. It's a fascinating deal. It has cells in there, uh, neurons. It's God's marvelous design. There were in, are in excess of 100 billion nerve or n- nerve cells or neurons here and they each they talk to each other they have things called axons and dendrites and some of those squiggly things receive messages from another neuron and the others send them out and so you have a hundred billion of these neurons and if you think about uh, the combinations the connections it's trillions and trillions and trillions and they travel really really fast and uh, scientists estimate that the average one of us has uh, 10 to 15,000 thoughts a day. And so there's all kinds of stuff going on in here. And even when you're sleeping and you're thinking, what a waste of time, I'm not getting anything done. Oh, no, this marvelous gift is very actively at work, sustaining you, uh, enabling you to cope, to rest, to adjust, to adapt. We'll talk about what happens to the mind when it's at rest, when you sleep in, in times to come. We'll talk about depression. And we'll talk about anxiety and stress and all those kinds of things. We'll talk about thoughts you and I typically have uh, so as to match them up with the mind of Christ. Let's see if they're consistent. If there's an inconsistency, we have we have trouble. We'll talk about feelings and where they come from and all the rest of that sort of thing. I have a mind just just as you do, and oftentimes it's filled with troubling thoughts. It doesn't take too long for that to happen. I mean, welcome to the real world. All you have to do is get in a car to make your way from point A to point B, and things are going to happen that disturb you. Watch a little news here and there, too much of it, and it's going to disturb your uh, thinking. And so what I tried to do uh, is to substitute for the thoughts that disturb me uh, thoughts from God's word that might be helpful to me. And uh, and I, I found uh, something that was quite meaningful to me and I hope to you as well. It's a verse of scripture. And uh, I wanted to take it with me as I traveled about and all the rest. And so after locating it, I memorized it uh, so that having memorized it, I could chew on it. I could meditate on it where 
wherever I am. In fact, I was doing it uh, uh, today, Pastor, during one of our meetings. I I have to get this out. I wasn't interested, and in, in, and so so I I was going through this verse of scripture, but it, but it's, it was a profitable time because I have something to say tonight because of it. So. So here, what I want for us to do is, uh, we'll memorize this, a verse of scripture, then you could take it away with you tonight. It's easy to do. So, so here it goes. Here's the first two words of it. Watch over. So say that with me, would you? Watch over. Okay, so you have the, the first part of the verse already committed to memory. Do it one more time. Watch Oh, It means to guard. It's not tricky. It means pay attention to something that is of, uh, I suppose, value to you. You watch over, you, you guard, you defend, you protect, you, you take stock of that which is of value to you. Watch over. It's not a suggestion. It's a, it, in the imperative, uh, in the, it's a command. It's no different than any one of the commands in the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, watch over. So we're being commanded to, um, to guard, to protect something. We'll find out what it is. Here's the next word. Watch over your, would you say the three words? Watch over your. So it's a term of possessiveness. It's something you have. It's good when we care for one another. But in this case, the command, the exhortation is to guard, is to watch over that which you possess. Watch over your... So you're being commanded to take stock, to lay hold of, to guard, to protect something that is personal to you. Something that is yours. We don't know what it is just yet, but we will. Watch over your heart. Let's say it all together. Watch over your well i suppose that verse is a cardiologist's dream then oh limit the cholesterol i suppose it means do some exercising i guess it means i don't know watch over this organ that's what it says watch over your heart the one i suppose that pumps blood well i, I mean this is important i can understand that it's Good word to be heart healthy, except that's not exactly what that verse is intending for us to do. See, it's in Hebrew, this particular verse we're memorizing uh, originally. And the Hebrew word for a heart is not this organ that pumps blood. It actually is the word for mind. Mind. Well, why doesn't the Hebrew writer just say, watch over your mind? I'll tell you why. It's because in Hebrew, there is no separate word for mind. When the Hebrew thinkers spoke of the heart, they meant the mind. They meant the repository of our cognitions, the seat of our consciousness. They meant the real you on the inside, not the showy you, not the overt you, not the you that acts, not the you that comes to church. No, the you when you're alone. The internal you. Watch over the inside stuff of you. Watch over your... No, not heart. That's not what it means. Watch over your mind. Guard your mind. Well, as a general rule, will you agree with this? 
We don't post a guard around things that are not valuable to us. We usually post a guard near things we want to protect. So I doubt there's anyone in here, if we went to your home and looked in your front or backyard, I doubt we would see there any armed guard posted by your garbage can. It's just not of that much value to you or anyone else. But we typically see guards posted at community banks all the time, you see. That's of value. So if God, he's the one behind these words, you see, if he's the one who issued the command, if he said, watch over your heart, your mind, your thoughts, we just found out that God really, really places a high value on our thinking. He's the one who wants it protected. When you guard something, if it's your home, you want to keep what's in it in, and you want to keep certain things from getting in. That's what it means to watch over or guard. Well, you can guard your home. That's a good thing. You can guard valuables, material possessions. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not the exhortation here. No. Watch over your mind. How? With all. So now let's say it together. Watch over your mind with all. Not partially. Not in a fragmented way, not half-heartedly. Watch over your mind with all, here's the next word, diligence. Let's say it together. Watch over your heart with all diligence. In the Hebrew, the words actually mean, guard this above all that you may choose to guard. You may choose to guard your physical well-being. That's a good thing. You may choose to guard your children. You may choose to guard your home, your uh, your uh, material possessions, your automobile. This is all legitimate. But this verse is commanding us to post a guard, to protect, to defend, above all else that we may guard our thinking our thoughts, what's going on in here. That's how important it is from the mind of God. His mind, reduced to writing, the Bible, tells us, do this with all diligence. Whatever it is you're investing in, in life, wherever your energies may be going, legitimate though they may be, the most important thing, the task which has the strongest divine mandate in all of the scriptures, is to guard above all else, is to value more than all else, is to protect, to watch over above all else, what gets in here and what stays there. This is important. Watch over your heart with all diligence. Why? Well, that's suggested by the next word. It's simply the three-letter word for. That raises the, the, uh, uh, the uh, notion that we're about to find out why such emphasis on this. But let's add the for to the equation. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from 
it, from it. It, the mind, is the source of something. We don't know what it is the source of yet, because we haven't gone that far. We know thus far God is placing a high value on our thought life, on the mind. In fact, he's issuing the imperative, it's a commandment, to put more stock in protecting it, what goes in it, what resides in it, more stock on that than anything else. Now we're finding out the reason he does so is that Things emanate from it. It is the source of something. From it, now here's the next word, flow. So let's add that. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow. Flow. Someone said flows, right? Yeah, wrong. Um, <laughs> It's just flow, and that'll be significant in just a second. I do the same thing, because it, it's, it's, it sounds like it would be better if we said flows, plural. No, flow. From it, flow. It's a metaphor. Where we, uh, Are you getting the thought of water in your mind? When you think of flow, you're thinking of H2O, flowing water. From it, guard this, your mind. For from it emanates, from it flows. It is the source of something. From it flows, here it is, the springs, these springs, let's add it, watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs, plural. One flow, many springs. One source, you see, flow, not flows. One source, flow, but diverse, multitudinous things come from it. We'll talk about those in just a second. Watch it, because from it emanate the springs of what? Life. Now I know why it's so important to guard this. From it flow the springs of life. Let's say the whole verse, if you don't mind. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. All that which pertains to life, all that which pertains to living well, all that which pertains to skillfulness, in living life, all of it, one-stop shopping, comes from one flow. All the diverse springs of life, like what? Thoughts, consciousness, perceptions, decisions, reflections, conclusions, emotions, feelings, all of it come from one flow, which is a metaphor for our thought life. So let's camp out on that metaphor of water for a second and imagine a somewhat remote village uh, high up in a uh, fairly isolated mountainous area. Its uh, source of water is uh, limited apart from rain. It has, if you will imagine, a 
crystal clear lake, sparkling, pure, unpolluted water. And it's a good thing because from it, this one source uh, is provided all the sustenance that every living thing in this remote village, every living thing, animal and human needs in order to make a go of life. Uh, this one water source uh, is necessary for uh, for food, for for cleaning, for uh, uh, for cooking, for uh, for crops. And can you imagine if this one sustaining source of water, this so essential for all that which pertains to life, can you imagine if it came to be corrupted? Uh, um, infected, polluted. Can you see that all bets would be off for the members, human and animal, in that village? Nothing else would matter, for everything pertaining to the sustaining of their life has been polluted and has been has been corrupted. God gives us this metaphor, the same metaphor, because he knows this we could relate to. He knows all of us understand the necessity of a pure and uncorrupted water source in order for our lives to be sustained. And so God uses this metaphor. It has nothing to do with water. You know that. He's taking a simple, familiar truth and building upon it something of much more profound significance. And he's saying just as that clear, sparkling a lone source of water is so critical and essential for the well-being of all living things in that village. So, too, is a pure, undefiled, uncorrupted, healthy mind necessary. So, too, is it the source. So, too, is it the singular flow for all the diverse things necessary for you and I to be sustained in life, to live life well, So you can look in all kinds of places to make a better go of life. But God says, one stop shopping. Let me make it easy for you. It's here. It's what resides here between your two ears. Here, this is the flow from which the springs of life come. Therefore, it is of such great value. Well, wait, does God mean to say that even... What I feel begins here with what I think? Yeah, I, I, I think he does. Would you allow me this rather dogmatic statement? I do not believe there is such a thing as a feeling that stands alone. I don't think feelings, emotions have a life of their own. I'm speaking to you about it because that's where most of us live. Frankly, most of us feel but we don't think. That's not exactly true. We are always thinking, but we're not thinking about what we're thinking about. So if we asked one another at any given time, do this as an experiment, it's really good. If you want to lose friends, come up upon them when they least expect it and said, stop right there, tell me what you're thinking. But we could say, how do you feel? And we know that. I know why. It's easier to feel than to think. And we're basically lazy thinkers. But there is no such thing as a feeling that's self-generated. It all begins with a flow. It all begins with a thought. As a man thinks, 
So is he. You see? So God is really helping us out over here. You can spend a whole lot of time trying to conjure up better feelings, trying to deal with uncomfortable feelings, but you're not going to the source from which it all emanates. It's here. It's the mind. It's the thought life. Now, I have to say something here, and I hope I could do this without being clumsy. I'm going to use a very foolish illustration. I'm going to liken the mind to a computer with which most of us here are uh, more familiar. A computer, I am told, has hardware and software. And the hardware is the stuff of which the computer is made. Is that not correct? It's the equipment, the hardware. But the software, those are the things, that's like memory and stuff, you, you plug into it. Using that as an analogy, uh, uh, your, your brain, I think, can be... Uh, uh, likened to the hardware in a computer and your thoughts, the software. So things with your mind can go wrong on one of two bases. One could be the software. And we're going to spend most of our time in the next few weeks dealing with the software. Why? Because everyone here, regardless of the problem, can do better with the software. Everyone here can do better making sure our thoughts are coordinated uh, with the mind of Christ. However, I want to relieve the burden and potential guilt and shame a number of my comrades here may experience. If you hear yourself crying out, Stuart, you're talking to me about controlling my mind. You're talking to me about healthy mind, healthy thoughts, but I don't have it. I'm trying, I'm memorizing scripture, I'm praying, I'm doing all the things you do. But I'm struggling like crazy. Because some here have a hardware problem, not a software problem. Now why do we allow for every organ in the body sometimes to go awry, but not the brain? Why is a Christian with a liver problem prayed for? A Christian with a heart problem shown sympathy. A Christian uh, with an uh, uh, overactive or whatever it is, gallbladder that has to be removed. Okay, do you need a ride? A Christian with emotional difficulties who seeks psychiatric help to deal with this organ. Why is that Christian looked down upon as though he or she has lacked faith? I want you to tell me. I don't get it. This is an organ like all others. It has blood vessels and oxygen. In fact, it amounts to, for about 2% of the weight of the average person in here. About 2% right here. But it takes up 15 to 20% of all of your blood and oxygen. It has to go there to take care of all these neurons. There's so many connections and there's so much stuff going on in there. If the heart can go wrong, why can't the brain? And if the brain could get out of whack, why are we so, why are we so reluctant to acknowledge that it could affect someone's thinking and that it could affect someone's emotion? Why do we say that person lacks faith? That person is having a crisis. <laughs> Of thinking, not necessarily a crisis of faith. So let's do each other a favor. Let's not say you could, you, by the way, when this verse says watch over or guard, 
a lot of us sometimes enlist the services of outside security people to guard what's of value to us. What's wrong with a Christian enlisting the services of a trained clinical professional <laughs> if you need help in guarding your thought life? For this, I commend our counseling center. I asked our director, I didn't ask, but he, he volunteered that we could publicize the counseling center a little bit. They stand ready and waiting to help you if you're having trouble in your thought life, if your thoughts are just plaguing you. If you can't stop self-destructive thoughts, if you can't stop depressive thoughts, if you're coming apart, if you're coming to pieces, that's what anxiety is. If the stress is overwhelming you, part of guarding it all is maybe to get some outside help. Why is this okay for every organ in the body except this one? I just don't get it. It operates like every other organ in the body. Why is it the exception to the rule? Why is it not sin? To have to see a cardiologist, but it's a lack of faith to have to see a psychiatrist. I don't understand this to me. Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe my mind is missing it. If so, please send me an email. <laughs> Here's the deal. I can easily prove to you that your emotions are easily affected by the healthfulness of your thinking. For instance, let's do a little exercise over here. This is like a big group therapy thing. Um, um, let me invite you to think about thoughts I'm going to put in your mind right now. But I don't have to try too hard, because generally speaking, these are thoughts probably everyone here from time to time has. Usually you have these in a big group like this or at night. It's pretty tough at night when the sun goes down and you're alone. That's when the thought life sometimes really gets out of whack. So I just want to put a few thoughts in your mind that you can think of. Try them on for size. Say to yourself, I think I am worthless. Just say that to yourself. This will be fun. I am worthless. Say to yourself, I think that everyone in this place fits, but I do not. I don't fit. Say to yourself, if the people here knew what I was really like, they would want nothing to do with me. Say to yourself, yes, I know God forgives them, but not me. Think about this, and I know you do from time to time because we're all the same. I'm not lovable. No attractiveness resides in me. The God of love may love others, but not me. Say to yourself, that which plagues me has left me without hope. I'll never, ch this is a good one. I can't change. I am the way I am. That's the way it is. I'm hopeless. Okay, so if you did that exercise, and then if we went around, I said to you, so now how do you feel? It wouldn't be good feelings. I feel sad, you'd say. I feel depressed. I feel down. You might say, I don't feel like living. You might even, you might say something like that. Let's go to part B. Would you entertain these kinds of thoughts now instead? 
Almighty God calls you, if you know him, his beloved. So, so occupy this thought. Say, say it in your head. I am God's beloved. Put this thought in there. The father who created it all has taken me as his son or as his daughter. How about this thought? Oh, God, you have not only forgiven me, you have adopted me into your family and will never let me say this. You will never let me go. How about this thought? Oh, God, I am weak and cannot change in my own strength. But you are strong. And one day, I will be presented before you holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So if you did those things, it's just a thought. It's just an exercise. And then you were asked, how do you feel? I guarantee the array of feelings would be entirely different. You would say things like, I feel peace. You would say, I have joy. You would say, I feel hopeful. And you would not only say it, it would show and you would act in accordance with it. And that's the point from it, the mind, flow, one flow, all the springs of life. From the thoughts come the emotions, from the emotions come the behaviors. If you ever see someone behaving improperly, it's generated by their thinking. It's stinking thinking. Why does this kid of mind, whenever he finally has a measure of success in life, a good job, a good life partner, why does he undermine it always? It's easy. Because he's thinking he's junk, and junk doesn't deserve success. It's easy. So you can preach all you want, but this has not been well guarded by him. Could I tell you a a big lie? Here's the lie. If I feel it, it must be true. No. Here's another lie. If I think it, it must be true. No. Here's the truth. If I'm thinking God's thought, it is unquestionably true. If my mind is focused on the mind of Christ, it is true. The Bible doesn't say change your feelings and change your behaviors before it says guard above all else you guard your thought life. Because from it emanates feelings and from feelings emanate behaviors. Everything starts with the mind. Therefore, it is to be watched over. Do you mind reciting? Because it's been a while since we did it. Let's see if we can remember the whole verse again. You ready? Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Have you been thinking about where to find that in the Bible? Yeah, it, it, where do you think anyone would want to guess? Yeah, see, guessing is an exercise of the mind. Thank you for 
showing how flawed yours are. <laughs> it's in Proverbs. Proverbs. It's Proverbs 4. Proverbs number 4. How many Proverbs are there? 31. So this is the fourth. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Who wrote Proverbs? Solomon. How smart a guy was he? Major smart dude. The wisest man ever to have lived gave us what we just memorized in Proverbs 4.23. The wisest man ever to... The one who lived life with the most skill. That's what the Hebrew concept of wisdom is. It's not smarts. It's living life skillfully. The guy who did it with the most skill uh, said... What he did in Proverbs 4.23. He said, in essence, your thoughts will control your life. And therefore, unless you learn how to control your thoughts, you'll be out of control. I know we emphasize healthfulness in all other areas of life. But this is the most important. As I have been permitted to engage in this study, I've been beseeching God more than ever. Oh, God, give me a healthier mind. I go to the gym. I do a few push-ups here and there. I watch the cholesterol a little bit. Those are good things. They're not the best. My mind lit on another passage of scripture recently, and it said, for bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for everything. To think like God, to be preoccupied, to dwell on, to focus on his thoughts, to identify thoughts that are not his, to reject them and to replace them with his thoughts, that requires as much discipline as a physical discipline. And the writer who gave us that verse said, if physical discipline is of some profit, and it is, then thinking God's ways, godliness, is of much more profit because it is a value, says the writer, not only for this present life, but also for the life to come. So, uh, we're going to do some work in the weeks ahead on getting this in better shape. So you don't need any gym equipment or anything like that. No special footwear, nothing like that. But I think you're going to see, as I am seeing, this is really out of shape. This is really fat. This is really like a major couch potato. This is, if the thought is there, I guess I can't do anything about it. So we entertain thoughts like, I am worthless. I am despised. I am hopeless. I am different. I am alone. I am unlovable. And though each here is entitled to those thoughts, and even though there may be some basis for it, because you've had relationships with significant others, perhaps giving rise to those conclusions, still, having been born anew, and having a new parent, the perfect dad, no one has ever had, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, now those thoughts are no longer applicable. They're inconsistent 
with the mind of Christ. And if your thoughts or mine are not consistent with God's thoughts, you have permitted, I have permitted an intruder into my mind. And it's no different than me opening the door to an intruder to come into my home make himself comfortable without me posing any resistance. Well, I guess you're here. How long are you going to stay? As long as I want. Where are you going? I'm going into your kitchen. Why? I'm going to make myself a sandwich. Well, I really wish you wouldn't do that. I'm going to do it. Too bad. Well, I suppose there's nothing I could do about it. But, but, but that's how it is. With the care and feeding of our minds, admit it. We're very lazy about it. If it's there, we don't challenge it. We don't run it through the filter of God's Word. We don't find out, God, I don't like me. But God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. <gasps> Whose thoughts? Are you going to let in? Whose thoughts are you going to boot out? The thoughts of the highest authority, almighty God, have to have full sway. This is exercise. In fact, it's really hard work. In fact, heart work is the hardest work of all, which is why we're so bad about it, which is why we don't do it which is why we're so subject to every wind of circumstance and every happening and every life is getting to be an increasingly scary place because we don't know how we're going to react to this, to that, to this. But this is like there's no rock, there's no stability, there's no, there's no, yes, there is. We have the mind of Christ. But, 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 but it has to be drawn on. It has to be accepted. It has to be the focus of our attention. So so we're going to do work, Lord willing, over the next few weeks, the hard work of heart work. But don't despair. Say, you and I are not in it alone. I, I listen. Any command in the Bible comes with it, the implied promise of help in complying with it. Because how could it be that God would issue a command that he doesn't enable us to comply with. It's he who commanded us to do this. Watch over your thoughts with all diligence. Guard it above all else that you guard. Don't you see from it come everything else pertaining to life? How could it be that a loving God would issue that command, leaving us helpless to do it? No. With the command in the word of God comes with it the assurance that he will come right alongside, enter into partnership with us, and help us to do it. So do not fall into despair. We'll start slow. You're new at it, so am I. You're clumsy at it, so am I. I'll never forget the first time I went to the gym and I got on this uh, torture machine they call the treadmill. It's a torture machine. And, uh, you know, the guy, guy pumped in 30 minutes. And he put it on level too much for me. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, it's like, uh, I'm dying. And I thought, man, I've been on this, baby. I must have been on this for like a, quite a while. And I looked down because they have this thing screaming out to you. It's like the timing thing. A minute and a half. 
What in the world? So I, 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 I went into another exercise, and there was the exercise of looking around for this guy to see if he could see that I'm getting off the torture machine, doing the old moonwalk. I'm out of here. But now I can do like three minutes. <laughs> so, so, so that's what's going to happen with this thing. We're going to start real slow. We're going to be out of breath. We're going to go, oh, man, I just came to church because it's a spectator sport. And I don't want to do anything. I just want, you know, to hear stuff. No. No, we're going to get on the, the uh, cognitive treadmill, if you will. And uh, we're going to exercise the mind. It's going to be really, really hard. But the Lord is going to enable it because he commands that we do this particular thing. So in the weeks ahead, we'll be thinking about that which all of us typically think about, and we're going to think about whether what we are thinking about is in line with God's thinking. That's our goal. That's our goal. So for one more time tonight, let's do the verse. It's, uh, you know where it is? It's Proverbs 23. Way to go. Here we go. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs so here's what i'd like you to do first mind exercise you got it memorized already that's the hard stuff now you meditate on it do you notice that we went one word chew chew digest think think uh, let it be the last thought uh, on your mind tonight when your head hits the pillow See, because otherwise, here's what you're going to do, because you're just like me, we all do this. While your head is on the pillow, you're going to be planning tomorrow. But here's the problem. God's not going to give you a lick of grace today to do what he has for you tomorrow. You get no grace for tomorrow thinking. The Bible says, give us this day what I need to make it. Daily bread. So you want to make your last thought something like Proverbs 4.23. And if it's the evil one who's disrupting your sleep, he'll probably let you go. He doesn't like you, but he'd rather let you sleep than meditate on the word of God. Proverbs 4.23. Then the alarm clock is going to go off the next day. And you're going to, you're going to shake and you're going to go and you're going to think about oh, all the stuff you got to do. And you're not going to be. A, so you want to stop it right away. And you want to hit Proverbs 4.23 again. So you want, to, you want to start the day, you want to end the day, Proverbs 4.23. And then you're going, you know, you're traveling. You're going through Houston, you're going to work, you're doing whatever you're going to do. And there's just a million things that are going to hit you. And you may not know exactly what you're thinking, but you're sure going to know what you're feeling. You're going to know, I, don't, I feel low, I feel down, I feel anxious, I feel disturbed. And you know, you know... You don't have to do like a whole lot of psychological stuff then. A better thing to do is just hit Proverbs 4.23 again. Just, just, just replace whatever it is you're thinking that's driving some really uncomfortable feelings with the Word of God. And just chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. But how long do you stay with Proverbs 4.23? Only until next Wednesday. I'll give you another one then. <laughs> you're going to be an expert on Proverbs 4.23. And I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to share it with all kinds of people. And you're going to have something to tell them. You're going to meet them at McDonald's. You're going to go to Starbucks and they're going to be talking to you. And you're going to say, can I tell you what I'm into? I'm working out. 
Oh, you, you joined the Y? No, no, no. You mean like with the treadmill? No. And the mean guy yelling? No. I'm, I'm, I'm getting this in shape. You know, I want my heart to be in shape and I want my liver to be in, I want my spleen, a healthy spleen, that's a cool deal. Whatever a spleen does, I don't know. But this is, this is, see from it, from this flow the springs of life. If I had to choose, I'd rather be mind healthy than heart healthy, but all our emphasis is on the physical body thing. Very little on this, but this drives everything. In weeks ahead, we'll talk about what's called the mind-body connection, how this affects my immune system, allergies, creates an environment in which um, there's a higher probability of me either contracting or having a harder time getting over certain physical ailments. It's not psychobabble. I can show you it's the word of God. I'll just leave you with this one, but I won't tell you where it is. A joyful heart is good medicine. But a broken spirit, many of us have it. A broken spirit, here's the metaphor, dries up the bones. Before you visit your physician... Let's find out what Dr. Jesus has to say about the broken spirit. Let's find out about what it takes to have a joyful heart. Because it is connected with healthfulness, even in the physical body, even in the bones. So you want to pray now? Yeah, we should pray. You know what prayer is? It's an exercise of the mind. That's why we're to pray without ceasing. You can think about all kinds of stuff. Better to pray. Better to praise God all the time. Better to thank him. Better to cry out to him. I give you one more exercise and our pastor is going to come. One, one more. And I'm going to repeat these things a lot because if you're like me, it takes a little time to get this. Um, I usually choose a word. I, I, I'm, I'm looking for certain mind interruption techniques. These are for those of us who can't stop thinking about certain things that disturb us. So you need certain techniques. So I just choose words. So let's say, let's say, um, um, let me take Zeke over there, but not for too long. Let, let's just, uh, let's say I had a fight with Zeke again. I mean, let's say, let's say Zeke, let's say, Zeke said something I didn't like. Let's see. And he, and I, I'm distracted. It's in my thought. I just can't get him out. I mean, I just, he's in my, I'll take his name, Zeke, Z-E-K-E, and I'll use each letter as an opportunity for me to express myself to God. So just next, I'll take the Z, zealous. Say, oh God, I am more wired about what a brother in Christ and I have going on more passionate, more, more wrapped up, more zealous about him treating me rightly than I am zealous for your glory. E. God, I want to talk to you, and sometimes I don't have the words, but it doesn't matter that much because you're everywhere. E for everywhere. You're everywhere. God, you were in that conversation that I had with Zeke, weren't you? I don't have to fill you in. You're everywhere. K. You're kind, aren't you? Oh, God. I don't feel very kind towards my brother. I don't have it. It's a fruit of the Spirit. God, would you produce more of it so that I would do the kind thing, you having been so kind to me. Then you get a, 
Then you get another E. Give me another E. Emmanuel, that's a good one. Thank you, Brenda. Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, God, thank you that though you're transcendent and you're awesome and you're the great beyond, still you're concerned about everything, even friction between two brothers, both of whom you have redeemed. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Look, look, it's a pattern uh, interruption technique. It has just gotten me away from an obsessively, uh, compulsively, uh, fixated preoccupation with uh, uh, an altercation with another brother and I insert into the mix his very name using it as an opportunity to usher me into the throne room of grace pray and praise and those thoughts generate entirely different feelings now the heart is softening now the hardened heart is, is, is changing and now having approached God I can approach my brother a little differently because thoughts affect emotions, and emotions affect behaviors. You see? Pattern interruption. We'll do a lot of that stuff over the last, uh, over the next few weeks, uh, Lord willing, but I, I commend it to you. Try it. Now just choose a name. Something that disturbs you, use the name. Take it. Every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. That's a passage in the Bible. Every thought. We take it captive. It's warfare, isn't it? It's like war. Well, Lord Jesus, uh, Wow. We've done a lot of talking and a lot of listening. That's the mind, isn't it? It uh, receives, it evaluates, it processes, it applies, it thinks, it reflects, it's active. Most of ours need a rest. They're taxed, overtaxed. Too many things at once. Too many of the wrong things. Uh, you say you keep us in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on the... If we don't have that perfect peace, you haven't ceased to love us. It's just a good opportunity for us to do the mind work necessary in order to have it. Father, our goal here is not to be at peace or to have joy as an end in itself. Our mind is to look better for you, to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. We can't do that if we're too keyed up, too stressed, if we come apart. So, Lord Jesus, we pray you would make us to be healthier in our thought life in the weeks ahead and until the time of your return. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.